welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Claire Daniels. So, Claire has just got back, well, fairly recently. She was over in America uh, at IHOP, the International House of Prayer, for a couple of weeks. And I thought it was important, because uh, God was speaking to her out there, to give her an opportunity just to share what she was hearing, what was going on. I don't really know where she's going to go with it, but uh, I know that it's coming out of what God has been saying to her in that time and around that time. So that's why I've asked her to speak this morning. And she also happens to be a really great speaker. Come on, Claire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your presence here today. And Jesus, I just pray that you'd come and Holy Spirit, you'd speak into each of our hearts this morning, that you'd bring transformation in our hearts. Father, we don't want to leave here unchanged this morning. So Father, in this time that we've got, would you do something? Would you bring a shift in our hearts in some way, Father? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's always really difficult when you come back from somewhere where God has really impacted you to know what to say, what not to say, what's just for you, what's for everybody. So I shall do my best. I'm just going to really share a bit of where I went. Not all of you will know anything about IHOP and why I went. And just something of what God said to me and linking into uh, what God has been saying to us as a church. Don't know if I'll get all that in, but we'll see how we go. Um, what I love about going to other places is, because don't, I don't very often, is seeing that God is saying the same thing wherever we go. That we, What God is saying to us, he's saying out there. It was so great going out there. And he was, what he's been saying to the church out there is, you need to get back to being family. You need to get back to being community. You need to prioritize. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about family. It's about we, not I. It was the same message. And that was that the first Sunday that I was there. I was like, yes. This is, but it's amazing that we... We are in that same flow. So what God is doing here, we've got to take seriously because this is what God's saying all over the earth. It's what he's saying in every nation. It's what he's saying in churches that are hearing him right across the globe. So this isn't just a little Scarborough thing. What Pastor Paul's been bringing isn't, isn't just for us. It is because we are part of the bigger picture. It's part of what God is saying right across the nations. And that's a real privilege, isn't it? But it's a real responsibility as well to carry it and to do what he tells us to do with it. So, as Pastor Paul said, I went to the International House of Prayer, which is in Kansas City. I was given some red slippers to go with for somebody that thought I was going to the Wizard of Oz place. Um, But I did wear them. And I, I went, I've been, God spoke to me back in January about going. And it's been somewhere that I've had sort of very loose connections to for many, many years. And he spoke to me about going. And it's a, it's a place where they've got, they've got church and they've got a prayer centre, they've got a children's equipping centre, they've got Hope City, which is like the Rainbow Centre on steroids, and <laughs> they've got somewhere else. Oh, and the university, that's quite a big place, and the university. So it's a big, big thing. And 19, just over 19 years ago, they, they went from just praying a poultry 13 hours a day to going 24-7. And they've prayed and worshipped for 24 hours a day without stopping for just over 19 years. They're into their 20th year now. The music hasn't stopped, literally hasn't stopped for 19 years. Um, there's about, you know, maximum of about a five-second gap sometimes between songs, but that's quite an exception. 
it's, it's built on the premise that when you worship and you bring music into your prayer, that prayer becomes easy. And we all want prayer to be easy. And so they've got this prayer room. They've got uh, about 500 staff there. All of those 500 staff, they work 50 hours a week. They work 25 hours and they pray 25 hours. Everybody prays as much as they work. So it's that balance of work is as important as prayer. And prayer is as important as work. Neither are exclusive and neither can be done to the extent, the expense of the other. And that creates a really interesting culture. So sometimes you meet people and you go away thinking, hmm, I really don't know Jesus at all. You know those sort of people, that sort of conversation? I had a lot of those. And so many days, I really don't know if I've got any relationship with God. These people would just... But I think if you're sitting in a prayer room for hours a day... You can't help but being transformed, can you? God does something when we sit in his presence. And what I was going there for was one of their immersed conferences. So it's an eight-day conference. They tell you when they get there that they get you, they put your head underwater, and they leave it there until you can't breathe anymore. And it's a little bit like that. You're sort of immersed in teaching. You spend three to five hours in the prayer room every day. It's kind of 9 a.m. till about 9 p.m., just with very short breaks, just immersed in the presence of God. And I know that in that time, there was a real shift in me that God did something. But I couldn't really, at the time, I couldn't really tangibly say, this is what it is, this is what it was. And it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's kind of like when you go out in the sun and you lie out on the beach and you've forgotten to put your sun cream on. You don't realise that you're burnt until later. You don't experience the effect of radiation until much later or a little bit later. Usually when you get home and it hurts a lot. It's not quite the same analogy. It doesn't really hurt. Um, But that's what it's like. You sit in the presence of God and as we commit ourselves to the presence of God and we commit ourselves to just sitting and loving him and adoring him, something happens, something changes in our makeup, in our soul. Just like um, radiation therapy changes the molecular structure. It changes the molecular structure of our soul because he can't help but if we're sitting in the presence of God. It's not a waste of time. I spend a couple of two or three hours at a time just going, oh. God, I could be doing, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? Now, I've got, I hurt my ankle, so I couldn't actually jump around, or I couldn't pace, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do a lot. I was sort of sitting there. Yeah, Pastor <laughs> Paul is laughing. This was a slight challenge for me. And so, okay, which bit of the Bible can I read? What study can I do? I need to do something, do something, do something, join with worship, work out what the worship team are doing, why they're doing that. Actually, on the second day, someone came and taught us exactly what they were doing, why they were doing it, partly for the musicians amongst us, so we would stop doing that, Um, which was very wise, I thought. I was very grateful for that. Um, And I had to stop, and I had to start spending more than 15, 20 minutes at a time just focusing on Jesus and who he is. And I I want a big transformation moment, but it's that sitting in his presence, isn't it? that changes things and I just want to encourage us really to take hold of that and um, there was a moment towards the end so the Thursday was our last full day and we'd had this amazing amazing worship time amazing ministry time I kind of just responded to anything whether it was relevant or not you may as well while you're out there Um, let's just get as much as we can seems a bit of a waste of time to sit in your seat when you might be able to get something more from God and I responded and it was very relevant and 
they weren't praying for people, but I just felt someone touch my shoulder. And it was like the fire of God completely consumed me. And um, not long after that, we had a coffee break, and everyone else seemed quite okay to go off for their coffee break. And I was like, can you not feel the immense presence of God? And kind of there was this holiness and fear of God. what are you all doing going and getting coffee? So I kind of did that. It's a really good thing having long hair. You see, if you don't have long hair, you can't, you can't do this. So I managed to do that whole long hair thing where you completely hide so nobody dares talk to you because you, you just, you're completely hidden. And in that place, I was just saying to God, I want to be changed so much. And I know the answer to this question, but I just want that moment where you transform me. This would be a really, really, really good time. <laughs> Your presence is really here. Um, would you, you know, I just wanted that transformation. And I said, God, I cannot leave this place without you doing something. I cannot, I'm, not, I'm just not going to get on that plane without you doing something and transforming me. And the Holy Spirit's very gentle, isn't he, and very kind. And he reminded me that I do know the answer to that question. And that that transformative moment where our thoughts and our habits and our everything, our words, our actions are changed, doesn't happen in a moment. It, It just doesn't. God can set free in a moment. God can deliver in a moment. God can heal in a moment. But he doesn't transform how we think and what we do in a moment. Because... It's our little decisions every day, just doing the same things day after day after day, making the right choices day after day, moment after moment. There is only grace for today. He doesn't come and just go, zap, it's all sorted. And I know that we all know that. But I want to encourage us that we don't need to give up because we haven't seen a massive transformation in a short space of time because he's saying it's glory to glory. It's little bit to little bit to little bit. Every day that I choose to spend time with him, proper time with him, I'm being changed a little bit more. Every time I make the right choice instead of the wrong choice, I'm being changed a little bit more. They count. Every time you make a good decision, that counts. That's not just something that... You think, oh, well, I did it once, but I failed another hundred times. That counts. It's changing you. The good decisions, the good choice of words that you had, the choice not to go down a rabbit trail of negative thoughts. When you made that choice, that started to change you. It's just those little things. I just want to encourage us again that transformation is coming. And, And it was in that moment I felt like God held up two mirrors to me first one wasn't terribly pleasant but you know I was kind of hidden and nobody could see me so it was all right but it was like a mirror where I saw I saw all the yuck stuff and all the gunk and then he held up another mirror and he had been doing that all week as well Um, another mirror that showed me my identity in him and you know if you ever see one mirror if you ever see the gunky mirror without the other one it's not God he always shows us both mirrors if you if you look and you see I've got all this stuff in me that needs sorting I've got all this stuff that God needs to do and and that's all you see that's not God he shows you the other mirror as well he shows you your identity he shows you who you are he shows you where he's taking you he shows you who he's making you to be and I think just the freedom in seeing both is so powerful 
God, I want, don't want to be like this. God, you've got to change me and transform me from who this, this mirror is. And I don't want to be this person. But I thank you that I can see this mirror. I thank you that I can see the person that you are making me, that you see me as, that he already sees me as. And I'm going to live towards that mirror. And I'm going to turn away from that one. And I'm going to live towards that one. And that was a really powerful moment in the midst of, of that kind of time moment with God, which I then interrupted with another session. But I could have stayed there for so long. And transformation is coming. Every one of us is being transformed. If you're thinking, I'm just failing, I'm not, nothing's changed. It is changing, but you've got to make the right choices day by day. It won't change if we just do nothing. But when we're making those right choices, it's just a little bit day by day. When God told me to go back in the beginning of the year, I had no passport. I haven't been abroad for 20 years. Um, So I had a number of arguments. I have no passport. Um, I have two children that need looking after. Um, God told me to go on my own, and I usually make sure I'm with Kate, these things, because she's really friendly and I can hide behind her. And so God told me to go on my own, which I wasn't that impressed with. I haven't been out of the country for 20 years. Um, This was not a particularly appealing scenario. Oh, and it was going to cost a lot of money, which I didn't really have. Um, But what I did in, well, beginning of February, I said, okay, God, I will get a passport. So I still don't have to use it. As I don't have a passport, it's going to be difficult to go. So I'll get a passport. And so that was my yes to God. After that, he put everything in place. But sometimes we just need to do one thing that is our yes. So if God is saying something to you that you need to do, and you're kind of, oh, find one thing you can do, which is your yes to him. When we give that yes, then he can put the rest of it in place. But if we don't give him our yes, if we don't do that one thing that will open up the doors for him to do the rest, then we can't. If I have no passport, I physically can't get on a plane. So that was the really important thing for me to do. And once that came through the door, okay, this is probably going to happen now. Um, But then God makes the way for the rest of it. And God made the way. It was all within a 48-hour period of deciding I was going to go. Everything was booked and everything was sorted and God put it in place. So I knew when I went that I was going for for that purpose. And as it happened, I went thinking, um, God's been speaking to me a lot about prayer and giving me different vision and stuff. I was going kind of for that purpose. But you know what it's like when you do something like that. God then decides to get you and rip you apart and then put you back together again, Um, which was 80% of what it was. He did speak in to things that I've gone for because he's kind and he's gracious but it was more about um, taking hold of me and dealing with all the stuff that had built up and that I hadn't known had built up because when you're just doing life and you're doing stuff with family and you don't always notice and sometimes when you step out of your comfort zone so for me it was kind of like stepping out of a, a nice comfortable pond being thrown into the ocean with all these big fish and no boundaries and it was salty water not fresh and it was a bit of a shock to my system in some respects uh, God can do something so powerful in us and and sort those things out so for me it was just a big kick start I think into where God wants to take me next and that was that was really 
just so important. Um, I think one of the things that God did very deeply in me was that it's time for apathy and lukewarmness to just go and be kicked out. There is no point, there is just no point in being here and doing anything if we're going to be satisfied with second best, if we're going to be satisfied with lukewarmness, if we're going to be satisfied with apathy, if we're going to be satisfied with watching somebody else do the stuff and hearing their testimony. I want the testimonies. I don't want other people... I do want to hear other people's testimonies, but I don't want to live... I don't want to get my kind of, wow, God, you're amazing, from other people's testimonies. I want to get my, wow, God, you're amazing, from my testimonies, from what God's doing in me, from what God's doing through me. There is no point if we're just going to live on other people's revelation. I want to know what the Word of God is saying to me, not what the Word of God is saying to somebody else. I want to hear that, but that's that's got to not be our prime um, source of feeding of somebody else's revelation, somebody else's testimony, somebody else's prayer life, somebody else's experience. The Word Worship teams, worshipping. We've got to be able to worship like that on our own. And I was just so challenged that it can be so easy to slip back into depending on other people's, depending on books, depending on whoever's preaching, depending on worship team, depending on CDs, depending on anything. But me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And that's what it's come back to. But... Probably, corporately, the biggest thing he spoke to me about was love. And I've looked back through my journal. Elka gave me a journal before I went, and I've filled the whole thing except for the last ten pages. I wrote a lot. Um, I guess it will just process over time. And I looked back over it, and it was kind of love, 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 love. And I was I was been thinking about reconciliation, and. And how reconciliation, it's other things as well. But one of the things that reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation is, is love with legs. So love we know is an action, but we can often see it as a feeling. But reconciliation is love with legs. It's when we actually, the ministry of reconciliation is putting that love that God gives us into practice in different ways. And he spoke to me very much about loving what he loves and um, when we are committed to loving Jesus, we want to love what he loves. Do you want to love what Jesus loves? You know, we want to... <laughs> I remember when Chris and I got married, he was into a rugby league. I didn't do sports. I didn't do rugby. I didn't do rugby league. But I came to kind of be quite knowledgeable about rugby league. And I could even watch a game and enjoy it because it was something that he loved. So it was really important for me that I tried at least to love it, or at least, and I could have an argument with the best of them about why league is better than union. So I think that was a, a big achievement for him. Actually, I still can because I actually agree. So we can learn to agree and to love the things that someone else loves. And so if I've got, yeah, we'll see how we go. But there are four things that God loves and how he wants to us to be reconciled to. Okay? So I just want to talk very briefly through these because there's one I want to focus on. So the first one, for us to be reconciled with God. God loves God. If we want to, we want to love God the way that God loves God. God loves God completely 
and utterly, the Trinity, have the, this perfect love. And we want to love God the way that, that the Trinity loves the Trinity. And it kind of might sound a bit strange because we're already reconciled with God. Yes, if we've given our lives to him, we are reconciled with him. But it's a little bit like holiness and about other things. We are holy, but we walk out that holiness day by day. We are reconciled with God, but we still need to walk out that reconciliation day after day. And it's probably best um, portrayed in the Great Commandment, um, sort of in Mark, Mark 12, 30 to 31, that we love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And that daily reconciliation of loving him with everything. And to love him with my time. To love him with my choices. To love him when he wants to wake me up in the middle of the night to pray. And I really don't want to be woken up. But that's my response of love. To make a... To be kind to somebody that I didn't want to be kind to. That's how we live out that reconciliation with him. So we need to walk out that reconciliation with God day by day. To be reconciled with yourself. That's the other thing God Jesus loves. He loves you. And we have to learn to love ourselves if we're going to be able to love him the way we want to. And if we're going to be able to love others the way, that we, the way that we want to. We can't sing in one breath a song about his love being perfect. And then in the next breath be pouring out negative things about ourselves. And I've been the worst culprit of this in the past. But God's really shown me how, just how important it is that we, we love what he loves. And we don't trash what he loves. And because he... It's very difficult to have a good relationship with somebody that keeps telling you how awful they are. Have you tried to do that? It's, very, it's really hard work because you're trying to build them up and they just come back at you with how awful they are. It's not easy for Jesus. We don't make it very easy to, for Jesus when we go and sit there and say how bad we are and how awful we are. And he's going, but I love you. I treasure you. This is how I see you. I've chosen you. I've made you clean. I've forgiven you. I'm not even looking at any of that. I can't even see what you're seeing. I've no idea what you're really talking about. And then we just come back with, oh, but I'm such a worm. But you, oh, I've sinned again. I've done this again. You can't possibly want me in your presence. I do want you in my presence. And it must be really, I and mean, Jesus doesn't get frustrated. I don't know how he doesn't get frustrated, but he doesn't. And I'm really glad that he doesn't. But if we want intimacy with Jesus, we have to love ourselves. And from about the age of 14, the cry of my heart was always, I want to know Jesus. I want intimacy with him. And it used to, you know, when I was younger, it used to drive people crazy around me. Because this is why I was always after it, always after it and never attaining it. And it suddenly occurred to me, and I never attained it because I hated myself. You can't be, have an intimate relationship with somebody when you hate yourself. So, and, and that's true, and that's actually true in marriage and friend relationships. So you can't have that intimate relationship. If you're going after intimacy with God and you're, you're not where you want to be, just ask yourself, am I loving myself? Am I loving myself? And that would be a great thing to tackle. The third thing that Jesus loves is his bride, is his church. Jesus is passionate about his church. He's passionate about his bride. Um, there was a moment 
when I was away and God reminded me of something that Chloe said in prophetic word that she brought about being abandoned, that we don't want the shift without being abandoned to Jesus. And he said to me, you need to be abandoned to me, but you need to be abandoned to my people as well. I was like, oh God, what does that mean? And Jesus loves us with such an abandonment. He loves us with such a passion, with such a conviction. And that is how he wants us to love one another. And he wants us to love how we, how we love. And in that moment, it was kind of, this sounds like a weird thing to say, but I kind of fell in love with the bride of Christ again. I kind of started to see the church, I don't just mean this church, but the church, as he sees it. And ask God to give you that real love for his bride, because it's his bride. It's really not good if, you know, you've got a bride or a bridegroom, you don't go and start talking negatively to you know a couple of engaged people you don't go to one and start sagging off the other one do you I mean it's not a good idea that's not going to go well so God wants us to love his bride the way that he does and this is quite challenging but if uh, if you've got a bible or it'll come up on the screen actually 1 Peter 4 verse 7 to 10 I haven't got time to actually talk through this but I'm just going to read it The end of all things is at hand. Actually, let's read it from up here. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, if you were going to give advice to the end time church... But we're living in the end times. What are the most important things that you must do? See, I would put the Great Commission up there, really. Um, there's, there's a few things that I'd put up there. But Peter says that the most important things for the end time, because the end times are at hand, the most important things are to pray, to love one another fervently, to show hospitality, and to use the gifts that God's given us. That's just bizarre. I haven't got time to talk through that, so I shall leave most of those. But I just want to look at one word in there, and it's the word fervent. And the Greek word for fervent, et kenes, it means... This is challenging. It means to be stretched to the very limit. It's the only place it's used in the New Testament. And it means to be stretched to the very limit without any slack to its maximum potential, um, fully extended to its necessary outcome. So it means that it needs to be stretched, stretched as far as it can be. So we are to love one another in a way that stretches us to the very limits That's a challenge, isn't it? Are we prepared for our patience to be stretched to its very limits? Are we prepared for understanding to be stretched to its very limits? Are we prepared for our grace to be stretched to its very limits? You know, when they crucified, they stretched out as far as they could and then further so the shoulders dislocated. Jesus was, was stretched far beyond the very limit for us and so we are called to love one another to be stretched to the very limit in our love and that's so that's so challenging but if we're going to love 
the one that Jesus loves, if we're going to love what Jesus loves, if we're going to love like Jesus loves, then we've got to love in the same way, which is to be stretched out to the very limit of, of who we are for one another. For one another. And that is the ministry of reconciliation, is saying, I will be stretched out in love for you because you are part of the bride with me. And so I will do whatever it takes to stay reconciled, to be at peace with you. Um, and maybe, you know, Philippians 3.10, it talks, Paul talks about wanting to share in the sufferings of Christ. You know, maybe that's part of it. You know, we can't just gloss over it because we're not suffering physically. But maybe that's part of it. I'm willing to suffer, share in Christ's sufferings because I'm willing to be stretched in my love for, for the people that Jesus loves. You know, even, even he knew that Judas would betray him, but he still loved him and gave him everything. So even those that we know, that we know are not with us 100%, even the Judas, Jesus still stretched himself out completely for. Finally, we're to be ministers of reconciliation to the world. If we're going to be, if we're going to love what Jesus loves, we have to love the world. And this is the one that we, we're probably most strong on and we know. Are we willing to allow the limits and the boundaries of our love to be so stretched and challenged for the world, for those that come into this place, for those that don't know him, for those that we see and that come in, for those that we don't see, for the town, for the region, for our nation, for the nations? Are we willing to allow our love to be stretched so that we can be those ministers of reconciliation. You know, God's really awakening this in us and it's been such an important message the last few weeks and we need to grab hold of it and run with it. I'm just going to pray for us in it in a moment. So be thinking if there's any of those areas that you want, you want God to do something in you with it. But first of all, I just want to share, and I'm going to read this, otherwise I'll preach on it um a prophetic word i had a couple of weeks ago that i believe is right to share this morning um and we'll just respond to this as well um so a couple of weeks ago i saw a picture of jesus as the line of judah standing on the top of oliver's mount roaring over scarborough but what puzzled me was that he kind of seemed to be alone um god then reminded me of two clips from the line the witch and the wardrobe Yay. So the first was when Aslan, Lucy and Susan, I'm really sorry if you haven't seen this, um, I haven't got time to explain it, were in the White Witch's Palace um, after Aslan had resurrected and they went to the White Witch's Palace and where the Narnians that had been frozen were kept as statues. And Aslan came and if you remember he breathed on Mr Tumnus first of all and defrosted him and brought him back um, They'd been frozen at a moment in time, no longer able to function. They were not dead, but they were unable, they were frozen. And he, then he took that army that he'd breathed on and went to the battlefield. And um, if you remember, he stood on a rock above this battlefield and he roared. And then the army that had all been brought back to life from um, the White Witch's Palace uh, came behind him. And she looks up and she says, can anyone remember what she says? she says impossible this is impossible and at that point of awakening the battle didn't get easier this is really important the battle then actually intensified but they ran down into inevitable victory because they knew that because Aslan there was there there was only one ultimate outcome and I believe that the Holy Spirit was saying that he wants to breathe and we 
God's been speaking about this already this morning. He wants to breathe on his church in Scarborough, awakening those in the army who felt frozen and immobilised by the enemy and unable to fight. And as he breathes and that army comes alive, then I saw that huge army on Oliver's Mount behind the line of Judah roaring and a descent into Scarborough to bring transformation, to join those faithfully fighting the battle day in, day out, and that were in need of reinforcements. Now, many of us are already in that place. Many of us are already on the battlefield. We're fighting, we're awake. And our response in that is to pray for the Holy Spirit to immobilise and to breathe on believers in this town so that that immobilisation is, is gone, they're defrosted, and, and come wake. But <coughs> if you like us pictorial. But I also believe there are some here this morning, you felt frozen or immobilised in some area. And this morning the Holy Spirit just wants to breathe on you. And it may be that he did it earlier in the worship when Pastor Paul's leading that moment. And that's great if he did. Um, he wants to breathe on you to bring fresh life. And as he does that, there'll be a renewed energy and ability to go join the fight. Um, Sometimes when we've been frozen in a certain area, we don't want to go and fight back in that battle. um, Because we were immobilised in that area. And God is saying, it's not going to happen again. When you go fight, you're going as a family and you're not going to be frozen in that area again. You can go back into that same battle and I'm going to be with you and you're not going to... And at that point, in Narnia, the wand had been smashed, so she couldn't freeze anybody anyway. Um, let's pray, and I'm just going to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If there's an area in your life that you feel has been frozen and you've felt immobilised and that you need to fight again... Um, Let's just stand if that's you. And I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and breathes on you right now. So just stand where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for these faithful ones. Holy Spirit, come and breathe into every area of immobilization. Come and breathe into every area that feels frozen and feels dead. Come and breathe into every area where they can't face to go back into the fight. Come and breathe, Holy Spirit, now. Come and breathe life. Come and breathe heat so that that frozenness just dissolves. Come and breathe your energy Come and breathe your breath of peace. Come and breathe your breath of joy. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Determine your heart that you are going to do the things that you need to do to, to walk forward in this, to trust to trust God again, to trust people again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if there's an area of reconciliation, whether that's reconciliation with God, with people, with yourself, with those in the church, with those in the world, that you want to grow in, that you want God to do something in you this morning, then just as a, 
an act of faith probably won't happen in a moment, it might, um, but we're doing transformation moment by moment. If you want to you see God do something in you in one of those areas, let's just stand in that as well. And let's just pray together that he would enable us to be those ministers of reconciliation in every area. So stand if that's something that you want to step into as well. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you are, you are the one that reconciled us. You are the great minister of reconciliation. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come. And Lord Jesus, that we would be those ministers of reconciliation. We would, we would be those that walk in reconciliation with you day by day. We would be those that walk in reconciliation with ourselves day by day. We would be those that walk in reconciliation with your precious, beautiful bride day by day. And we would be those that walk in reconciliation with the world that you adore and you're passionate for day by day. By day. Father, would you change our hearts? Would you do something in our hearts, Holy Spirit, this morning that says, I will be reconciled whatever the cost. I will, I will love the Lord my God whatever the cost. I will love the people that he puts around me whatever the cost. I will love the world whatever the cost. And Father, we say as we stand, those of us standing this morning, we say we want to be those that will be stretched out. Father, it's a hard prayer to pray, but Father, help us mean it. And Jesus, we want to be those that are stretched out to our limit because that is how you love. And Father, I want to love how you love. Lord, would you make us a people that love the way that you love, that love with the same passion, that love with the same fervency, that love with the same stretched outness, that love with the same lack of condition on it, Lord Jesus, unconditionality on that love. Oh God, would you transform us for ourselves, for one another, and with you Lord Jesus you are wonderful, you are precious and we love you and we rejoice in your love and your mercy and your grace on us today thank you Jesus Amen Amen Amen. thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thanks God thank you those of you that stood I realise that it's a high call, this Ministry of Reconciliation and Peace. Uh, going through my mind is I already feel stretched. And God, I knew I still had to stand because there's so much more in God, isn't there? There's, there's two sides to fall off the road that, that, that Claire was just saying this morning. That I just want to say, just as we finish, really, really quickly, don't fall off the road on either of these sides. One is to go down that route of, I'm already stretched, I can't possibly do any more, I'm really trying very hard and I'm not good enough kind of route. Claire kind of addressed that early in the talk, but don't go down that way either. When God speaks in ways like this, it should always be beyond where we are now. And some of you know right now, oh, I should have stood. That's okay. It's fine. But get before God and, uh, and find what your part is in this ministry of reconciliation. Because as I was speaking the other Sunday, we've all been given this ministry. So we've all got a, play, a role and a part to play in ministry of reconciliation and peace. But it is a tough one. But it's going to be a glorious one. It's from where revival comes. 
Revival doesn't come because everybody's feeling really cool and good and excited. Revival comes from a people who love Jesus. And the other side is a side that I often used to fall down. And praise God, it's unusual now for me to be there. But when there's a, res- a call like this, because we're already in a certain place, it's very easy to look at those who are not in a certain place. And, f- and, and instead of taking it as a word to how does that address me, we look at all the failings in the church. In a- what we're doing, actually, is judging and saying, well, there's all that lot. That's not working. And I'm, we wouldn't probably express it quite as clearly as, but basically we end up saying, there's all these problems in the church. It's not worth it because I'm better than that lot anyway already. We'd never put it like that. But basically that's where we go to when we start to look at the problems in the church. We are the church. We are the people. It has to start with us. And the, I think that the... The message that God has been giving us as a church in recent times of this love, I mean, that, just that verse in Peter there, if you don't just skim over it like it's easy to do, it's so challenging. That fervent love, it is so challenging. And that's what God is bringing to us again and again at this moment. Don't be daunted. Don't fall off in that side, as I was just saying. Don't be daunted. It's something God's going to do in us. As Claire said, get a passport. Just make some first steps. Some of you made a step today and you stood. Maybe you weren't ready to do that. Then this weekend, find out what you need to do to be ready to stand. Because this is something that God wants us to go together. There will come a day when if there was something like that spoken, we're all instantly there because we know that that's what we're there for and that's what our heart is. And we won't be fearful of the cost because we'll already be living it. God won't stretch you like Jesus. He's not going to dislocate your arms. Jesus did that already. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He won't take you beyond. But he will cause you to grow in him. He will cause you to grow in him so you're in that place of intimacy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.